This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, this is Engine Wiper Jesse. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Scott. And I'm Dynamo Paul. Hi, I'm Marissa. And we're all running for money. (laughs) I hope to run for money. I'm still in the application process. I'm chasing you guys. (laughs) Uh, On this show about um, The Running Man, a Stephen King novel, and uh, a short story by Robert Sheckley called The Prize of Peril. We're also going to talk about uh, three movies, or at least two two and a half movies, um, and some TV shows and what's wrong with society and a bunch of other things. So we got a lot to talk about. So we'll be here till Thursday. Oh, yeah. Um, and everybody, did you guys all get my tweet uh, late last night of um, uh, Harlan Ellison talking, yes. of, talking yep. about Sheckley and Stephen King and uh, who ripped off what from whom? That was a great letter. It was very interesting, wasn't it? I, I like how mm-hmm. angry uh, Harlan Ellison is. I, I yeah, what, he's so eloquent as well. Uh, yeah, it's that too. But uh, the thing is, is I didn't realize that Scott was so angry because I I've sort of always been a dismissive guy uh, when it comes to Stephen King. But um, mm-hmm. and I read the other uh, another Bachman book, um, The Long Walk, which I thought was. It was interesting, but it wasn't. It lacked something, and this one, I think, it's one of the best science fiction books of the eighties. I, yeah. I don't know how I missed it. I think it's um, this one and the Long Walk, like the Bachman books. Mm-hmm. They were the first science fiction books I ever read, but I didn't wow. know they were science fiction. You know, like I thought that I was reading horror and that science fiction sucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And now well, I look back and I'm like, wow, that was like my first science fiction book. So. There is, I, I was, I was pointing like there's something wrong with this in terms of science fiction. Um, mm-hmm. At the at the heart of it, it's not science fiction. Um, at least uh, I think the novel is not science fiction in at the heart of it in a certain sense, because mm. King is so good at what he does, it almost distracts from the fact that. Um, from the world, which is much more interesting, I think, than um, any other book of his I've read, and I've read I've read a few. So Scott, you have a lot to answer for because you've you've been a fan of King forever, and I didn't I know I didn't know that he was ever hungry and angry like he is in this book. Yeah, I don't know either, but he he wrote this early, right? Isn't oh yeah. This, uh, you know, so the Bachman books, the original four Bachman books, were very early or sort of pre-Stephen King almost, mm-hmm. right? Because he, yeah. he, he picked up that name and then published them. But these are things he had in his trunk, right? I'm, I'm not sure what the exact before chronology Carrie. is, but yeah, it's yeah. before Thinner. Um, and before well, became... Thinner, yeah. Um, well, we're talking about before Carrie. So Carrie yeah. was the first book that he published. Right. But these books were written, my understanding is that they were written before that, and that he polished them and published them as Richard Bachman when no one knew that Richard Bachman was Stephen King. 
Yeah. 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 Did you guys listen to the introduction to the <laughs> the novel? Which which pissed me which pissed me off. Side note, because it gave away the ending of the novel. I totally it, I, I I totally noticed that it gave away the ending, and then I completely forgot that it did. <laughs> and oh, then no, I was no, thinking no. about what was it? What was it that Paul was so upset about? Because I'm I'm like getting close to the end. I think I know what's going to happen. Is that because I'm <laughs> anticipating the book, or because I don't remember what he he, he actually said? I don't think it does give away. As much as it just sort of points in that direction. No, no, no. He, no, he, he gives it away. That he specifically says, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, huh. yeah they, they Didn't sort bother of, me. And <laughs> crashes the plane into the building. It, it does because because, yeah. because it, it, it gave me the like, okay, I'm going to be waiting for that to happen for the, the entire novel. And I, like, I, I know he, he has to survive and he has to the point where he kills himself. And Well, it is a pretty extravagant and great ending to that story so it is mm-hmm. kind of cool not to know it like i i'd forgotten about it and i read an, a few of the reviews before i played the audiobook so i knew to mm-hmm. skip the intro so mm-hmm. i had no idea yeah a lot of people don't like um, that intro yeah but I, the, the, the intro itself was interesting because he talks about being bachman and writing bachman novels and how that how that intersects with his career and doesn't intersect and unearthing quote unquote, unearthing a Bachman novel to be able to write as Bachman again that as you were saying that young and angry sort of phases Stephen King that he so was able angry. to that 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 he was able to channel only able to channel through a pseudonym which is which is fascinating from the perspective since I hang out and deal well, with lots I, of know, writers yeah. I don't know if you guys follow him on Twitter but he is old and angry now <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah, he's, so, he's, he's always been politically aware and politically involved. But he, you know, but I remember him going to rallies for this person or that person, you know, long ago. Yeah. But I don't know that he really includes a lot of that in his fiction. No, but uh, like you're right. Yeah, I really like his his he he talks good when it comes to politics. I like everything he says. He's smart. Um, but now. Uh, he he's he's old and angry but it's a it's a distant anger in a certain sense that uh you know he's comfortable his kids are comfortable right this the the character in this book is like uh his attitude is what makes the book right it's what's so yeah. different about the prize of peril from this is that prize mm-hmm. of peril is a joke right it's all jokes and and what what's so interesting to me is seeing those films over time. Um, the, the 1971 is very the does uh, Millionspiel, right? <laughs> is um is it's interesting, but it's less of a joke. And then the 1983 one is a lot angrier. Uh, than the 71, although it it has a a little bit more going on. And then the the uh, the Schwarzenegger one is, it's it's just a comedy, pretty it's, much. Yeah, it's it's like it turned that anger, which is, um, kind of legitimate, into a, uh, I don't know, a farce, right? Action that, comedy. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. I don't even know if I'd call that one satire. It's no, it really is kind of silly. But mm. but the the Stephen King uh, take is the hardest of them all, right? It's it's. It's yeah, it's, there's so much hate in it. Like the the audience is, has a certain amount of hate, and the character is kind of like, yeah, I hate them back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> piss and vinegar. And, yeah, mm-hmm. and even 
I think there's some kind of like shocking lines in there where you, that you don't really expect from a main character where he's kind of like, you know, the the woman who's kind of not really helping him mm-hmm. says something and he's like, oh, I just want to smash her and rape her. And, you know, he has these kind of thoughts of yeah. like just out of spite of wanting to hurt these people. Yeah, no, he's he's, he's he's sticking it to everybody, even the guy who lent him money out of sympathy, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Stephen King, you know, before Carrie sold, was very poor. Yeah. And he was it. a high school teacher. Um, he talks in On Writing about when he was writing Carrie, he, he would sit next to the washing machine and type. You know, that's the space that he had that was private. <laughs> So, um, and he also, I know I've seen pictures of him at marches, like with Martin Luther King and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was, he was definitely angry and maybe this is where he put that. Oh, but you know, what is that other, the, the other Bachman book that you mentioned that was about, uh, the guy who took over the high school. Okay. So there's, there's one that is really interesting and I really want to talk about because I haven't read it called Rage. That's the first one. That's, isn't that's the one, right? Isn't right. Rage the one where the guy goes in with a gun into the high yeah, school? Yeah. It's a, it's a kid though, I think, right? Oh, okay. It could, it's yeah. been so long since I've even looked at that, but yeah. you know, there's some rage in that one too. It's one called of the rage. reasons, one of the <laughs> reasons you won't, uh, uh, be able to look at it is it, it's out of print and permanently out of print apparently. Uh, because of, because it's uncomfortable, probably. Uh, because King doesn't want it reprinted because it is so uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but what uh, the thing is is there's there's a really interesting argument that goes along with that, which is uh, detailed on the Wikipedia entry, right? Connections to actual school shootings, right? Um, King is trying to not incite school shootings, and they are there. There is this really bizarre tie to uh, between fiction and action in the real world right so that you put a certain kind of thing on television and it makes people do stuff i mean one of the Mm -hmm. things that i was thinking about at the end of this book is like Uh i think i know what he's gonna do i think he's gonna take this airplane and do something with it like he always promised at the beginning of the book right uh, where he said, I'm going to come up to that floor and get you. Um, yeah. And I was thinking, does. you know, one more, one more, one domestic terrorist who does that, um, you know, pulls in 9-11 successfully uh, with uh, a passenger plane. This book's pulled too. And and then what, what does that tell us, right? <laughs> that we have to start pulling books off the shelves because... I mean, it, it, the thing is, is all the other Bachman books are available as audiobooks, not Rage. Hmm. You can, uh. you have to find it used, right? He hasn't, <laughs> you know, I, maybe he has started collecting. Start they, they just, them. they just made an audiobook of the Dead Zone, for obvious reasons. I don't know if you guys have read the Dead Zone. <laughs> it's suddenly very popular again. Because, oh, I, I wonder why. Because why? of the president, yes. <laughs> Oh, oh, what's I, the premise of that one? I can't remember that. Um, there was a guy who was the president who should uh, not be allowed to be president. And um, <laughs> the, the the dead zone, it has to do with psychic ability and things. Um, okay. Yeah. It, I can't explain. It's been so long since I've read it, but the the uh, the parallels of the, the character that is the president and our current president were, hmm. were definitely talked about in Twitter um, hmm. long before oh, yeah. the election. Yeah. That there was a TV show of the of the Dead Zone as well. I, I don't know if it had any political yeah. angle to it. 
I don't recall it having that political angle. I, I, I think I watched the first season of that. I was into it for a little bit, but it just wasn't that interesting after a while. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. It's it's funny because uh, when I do when I think of Stephen King, I don't think of politics at all. I know that personally he's like that, but I hadn't read a book that made me. I guess that that's why I like this book so much is because it is the world is um, fits this kind of character better than any kind of world I've seen him write about. It's more they're almost always psychological. Like it's sort of like here's really good writing. Um, and here's this guy, and he's living, you know, he's doing this world, right? It's it's, it's like, here's a situation, and then King just lets the wheels spin, right, with his good writing. And this is a nice short book with a, 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 a angry, angry, I, I've never seen an angrier character. I mean, uh, Richard, Richard K. Morgan doesn't write him this angry. Um, and I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, as far as anger, I would agree with you, but I, I think that his characters often are living in the real world. Even though Stephen yeah. King is really rich, he's always writing about people that, uh, you know, when he's not writing about writers, he's done his share of that, right? And he gets complained at about that, you know, my main character's another writer. Right. But um, I'm trying to think of the one I read recently. He wrote a trilogy of, um, I would call them, they weren't really horror, but one of them was about a serial killer. Mr. Mercedes, that was it. And it opens with um, a bunch of people in line for, at a job fair because they want to get the jobs that are going to be offered at this job fair, and, and they just want interviews, and the line went around the block. Yeah. And, and not only that, but they were there. They showed up the night before and slept there. And so the story opens with them you know, just talking to each other in line. And then uh, the Mr. Mercedes of the novel, the serial killer, drives a Mercedes through the crowd. Ugh. And, yeah, it's tough. But, you know, he's making a statement there, too. I yeah. mean, he, he does things like that in all his books. You know, there are things like that. Mm-hmm. You, you see it creeping. Uh, see, the thing is, we, we've, it's, it's creeping up on us, and we don't, we don't notice it. So I was, I was really excited to tell you guys about that show um, uh, from 2011. Um that I watched the full season of uh, called uh, Take the Money and Run. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then Paul told me uh, we have to talk about Hunted. I'm like, what's that? So I look it up and I love I love people, uh, human, real human beings, because what they do is they stick it to the man, which is my main thing. Um, some, <laughs> some dude uploaded it to YouTube. I assume it's a dude. And uh, said the internet never forgets. <laughs> Um, you know, it's it's all distorted because you can't upload stuff to YouTube without automatic pulldowns by robots. But um, I watched the first half of the first episode, and it's exactly like it's like The Running Man. Yeah. It's, huh. Um, so, Paul, have you been following this show? Because this is re- I, I, it's disturbing. I've been, fo- I, I've been following the show mainly because a science fiction writer is one of the hunters. By Cole. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah, so that is when he said, oh, I'm going to be on the show. I was like, oh, really? Interesting. And, yeah, the, the show is kind of disturbing. It is so, disturbing. so it's like, it's like oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna use social media and, and basically track you through the way you interact with the Internet. And, yeah, it's just, just, just the, the, the techniques and the, the 
I shouldn't say the bitch. It's just the determination to just follow these people down. It's it is it is basically the Running Man made manifest in 2016. I, I, I punch. They don't actually. So what, people, why? Right? Uh, you know, no, are the premise people. of this show is are they allowed to go wherever they want, or is there a boundary, or uh, how four, much time do they states. have? How, what is they can go yeah, to four, four different states. Four different states. And are they wow. just contestants on a? Is it a game show set up as yeah. well? Or yeah, yeah, it's, it's a game show. Um, it's for money. Wow. Well, well, for money, huh? It's exactly it's it's the Running it's Man not, without yeah. the killing. <laughs> oh, no killing. No killing. No, 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 no killing. Thankfully, but uh, uh, what's so what's so freaky is that it's the same ethics and the same uh, motivation. So the, I mean. I can't say it's the same motivation from government top down, but it sure is the motivation from bottom up. Poor people. That's who was on this show, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the the thing about Jimmy Dore, right, is he says it all the time, and, and it's it's hard to forget it once you once you once you hear it, right? Half of America is poor. Um, you know, Canada we're we're richer per person uh, because our, our middle class is a little bigger. But yeah, th- that article. There's an article that yeah, you just type in half of America's poor or something like that, and then you could see the numbers are like, yeah, over half of Americans make less than thirty thousand dollars a year. That's less than the uh, appropriate average living wage of sixteen eighty-seven per hour, as calculated by blah blah blah. Right? Yeah, I got that article from you this morning. I, yeah. I would dispute that. It seems very high to me. But I will I will definitely look into that. Well, um, the thing but is, and, and another thing that I would say high, is right? American poor is not poor. I mean, it, there are some poor people. Don't don't get me wrong. And I'm, I'm not going to say I'm not saying that. But but the the average person that they are calling poor is eating three times a day. Yeah. And so all that stuff. It, it is not poor in the sense. You know, we don't want to lose what the meaning of the word poor is. I I, I hear you in one sense, right? And mm-hmm. uh, the thing is, is uh, uh, on that chart, I'm way below uh, American average um, mm-hmm. for money, but I have health care. I don't yeah. die when I get sick, right? And you don't need to go fund me if you get sick. Uh, holy fuck, man! That that is so sick. I see that all the time. It's a go fund me to keep my house. It's a go fund me to get my my liver from dialysis or whatever or the drugs i need it's sick yeah this is happening all the time and it's you can kind of see like that it's not much of a jump from like people you know like people doing these charity things like i'm going to run across the states to raise money for cancer you can see like sooner or later that's going to be i'm going to die i'm going to do this crazy thing if everyone will watch me and donate you know like it's so close to that wow (laughs) that game show you are you are right and then it's it's the thing is like yeah I'm I'm hoping to win this hundred thousand dollars so I can put my kids into college because that's yeah. what they say right mm-hmm. um, that that show that take the money and the run show I want to talk about that too I want to talk more about the hunter but uh, or the hunted I guess the take the money and run show I found out about the same way I guess uh, you did Paul um, the guy one of the guys on it is uh, Paul Bishop who I follow on Twitter um, he's a very uh, funny um guy it seems to have a really big heart when it comes to uh uh criminals um because he's a homicide detective from los angeles actually writes uh mystery novels you know detective fiction and he was on this show as an interrogator 
And this this show, um, it's a bit different from The Hunted and, and The Prize of Peril, but it has a lot of the same elements to it. And what basically the premise for this cancelled show uh, from 2011 was that the I was going to say victims, <laughs> the the hunted are given um, a suitcase with $100,000 in it and given an hour to hide it. Oh, my God. And then the, um, the trackers, after an hour, find them, uh, arrest them, and put them in a fake jail where they are interrogated by uh, Paul Bishop and a Los Angeles County prosecutor, also another writer, um, and then they're the only regulars on the show, the two interrogators. Then the other uh, the other team is actual cops who worked in you know San Francisco or wherever, um, who are doing it uh, you know off the job, doing their regular police job off the job, and their job is to find the money. Um, they get help from the interrogators who are. Um, Basically, they treat them like regular prisoners. They they have interviews with the suspects, right? And mm -hmm. and the the thing is, is they they're required to answer questions, um, yes or no, um, but they can lie. Um, wow. And guess what happens in all six episodes? Maybe not the last one. Um, they all give up the money. They everybody. Everybody loses the money. The, the cops either find it or the interrogators basically get the information of where it is from these people who are trying to get money for their lives, right? Yeah. Huh. And the yeah. thing is, is they need the money. They all, every, that's the same story on The Hunted, right? Is everybody needs the money. These are people who are either, um, you know, the, uh, people who have been in trouble with the law or people who are out of work. The reason you go on those shows is I, I thought it was because, you know, you're buff and you want to be an actor, right? You live in Hollywood. You, <laughs> you want to have a career. This is a, this is the new thing, right? The reality TV shows. And we have, you know, big brother Canada up here. I, I was forced to watch part of one the other day and it was, it was horrible. Um, but it wasn't the same kind of horror as this, where, you know, you have your money taken away from you or you have your liberty taken away from you. You become a homeless person for 30 days, like on uh, The Hunted. So uh, how, mm -hmm. how much of you of it have you watched, Paul? I, I, I saw all the episodes all up to the final escape. And yeah, and, and, and spoilers, two, two, uh, two of the teams did win. In that final episode, and a third was captured. I mean, one of the teams in the first episode got captured after a day because they were just dumb. But I, 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 I don't know. I, it, it was kind of. I'm. I mean, at the time, I was enjoying it. Now, having having listened to this book and rewatched The Running Man a couple of times, yeah, I, I feel more disturbed about having enjoyed the show. It is really disturbing. Sense. It is really disturbing. I, I wasn't disturbed at the time. Now I'm disturbed. Like, why did I like this? This is. <laughs> Wrong. I think that's one of the most disturbing aspects of uh, the book and the the movie. What is it? Mil Millionspiel. Das Millionspiel. Mm -hmm. yeah. Das Millionspiel. Yeah, it's that's the, the best the movie, by the way. I think. 
Yeah, I think so too. And uh, and the audience uh, reactions, and you know, in that movie, they interviewed oh man um, audience members all the time, and uh, wow, I mean, it, but it was just it rang so true that it yeah. was disturbing. It is. Yeah, really- it did. That whole movie just felt so real. And did you did you guys read as well that the Germans uh, did yeah. actually think it was real? Yep. Oh like really? People, it had yeah, a War of the Worlds were... effect, right? No um, way. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, and that, that kind of like shows like how close the stuff is like to such a small jump for it to be real like yeah people were watching that and thinking it really was a game show it's crazy oh that, that they do that because it, it's like just like in the war of the world situation right where they you know they cut away to commercial they announce halfway through the show that i mean in the dust million spiel we're always cutting to the control room right where they're talking about how uh you know we right. can really <laughs> cheat on this way and like um that's the one thing you don't get on uh, on the hunted, right? Is the actual producers actually doing it? Instead, you get the flashy graphics with what was it? There's a CIA, a former CIA, former FBI, former marshal, former um, British intelligence hunting a guy who used to be in trouble with gangs and now works uh, as a lawyer uh, for people who are always being attacked by the cops. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this isn't stacked at all. Like I mean, that's the that's the wonderful thing about the running man is it, at least it gives you the idea of it it's it's stacked, right? Um mm-hmm. Yeah, well in, shows, in the in the in the novel, that, right? You actually got money if you're if you're out in the street and you right. see him. Right. You can get paid for turning him in and that's saying right. there he is. It, yeah, was, there was a there were economic incentive for for the for society to turn against you, and I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, the mother, for example, is like, and and it, 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 the son doesn't even believe at first that the mother is actually turned uh, turned him in. It's like, no, 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 no. And luck, luck, and fortunately for the protagonist, the protagonist is candid enough to realize that, yeah, people are uh, that self centered that they would do that. I mean, I, I found it interesting. You had. Yeah, a mixture of the characters who would do anything for money, and then the random people who who would help him. Notice all the book readers, right? The book readers are the heroes. (laughs) Yeah, right. In fact, um, that's the that's the funny thing about Prize of Peril, right? Is that everything that it's it's so weird that everything that's in it uh, in the Running Man is is kind of in the Prize of Peril in a twisted way. The the main character in the Prize of Peril. And the first word in the story is raider, which is reader spelt slightly differently, right? Oh, yeah. Oh. I didn't even notice that. And, of course, that's the whole point is we're putting ourselves into this situation. Oh, yeah. Because when I was reading that, he, he even sort of says it a few times. It's like – I can't remember how he puts it, but it's like the ultimate protagonist. He's basically like this is the ordinary yep. guy. Absolutely. And they, they say, like, you are the people, so you're going to survive, you know, like – everyone's kind of engaged with him and wants him to win, which is kind of different from the running man book where, uh, well, he is, he, he's like, a, there is, there is something in there. So one of the things was it, um, I'm all confused with all the different names, but wasn't, uh, one of the bosses in the book, a, he had the same name as the game show guy on, on the Schwarzenegger film, I think. Um, yeah, Killian. Killian? Okay, yeah, Killian, he says um, he says, stick close to your own people, right? Yeah. Never, never go away from your own people. That's where you're safe, or safe is. It's, 
It's definitely hinted in there, but I felt like the Running Man was like much darker, where most people were kind of um, not helping him, but he had the odd oh, yeah. little moment of help. Whereas the Prize of Peril, everyone yeah, but- was sort of on his on the guy's side and then right. yeah, yeah yeah the whole good, good samaritans yeah it was girl. all built around being a, a good samaritan yeah I just, which I, felt kind I, of more real yeah. maybe i'm not sure no it, that's the thing is is it's so interesting to map it right so the prize of peril what, what year did it come out i'm looking at the it's may of 1958 58 okay very early so it, it, what's going on it's the 50s everybody's doing great Right. Uh, well, at least most people are doing great. Come on, the economy's great. Everybody's employed. Real unemployment is not 24% at that time. Uh, whether it is 24% now, um, Scott, you might want to dispute that, but that's what the <laughs> that's what the article says. And I got to tell you, I think that that's probably right. Even though you've got all the moms working, right? Um, now, at three, one of the, one of the people on the hunted said, "Yeah, I work three jobs," right? And there's that famous line, uh, you see it on Jimmy Dore's show, where um, the politicians interviewing, uh, was it uh, one of the Bushes? I think it was one of the Bushes, interviewing a lady at a at a rally or whatever. And she says, I work three jobs. And he looks as really? You have time to sleep? Ha, 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 ha. Laughs it off. They're only in America. Well, yeah, only in America do you have to work three jobs to send your kids to school. Jesus Christ, that's terrible. So by the time uh, we get up to our present day, right, where mm-hmm. the middle class is hollowed out and you, you got serious wage problems and uh, clown for president because of the anger, um, you've got the stages where it goes through. So that 70 movie, I think people are doing pretty good. We don't see a lot of unemployment mentioned in them. What you do instead see is sort of an existential interest in uh, sort of overconsumption, right? So one of the, one of the things I love about that Desmillion spiel is the commercials. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they're <was> so great. <laughs> they reminded me so much of that um, Too Many Cooks. Have you seen that? The little short thing put out by Adult Swim? No. Oh, okay. It's just a really surreal, weird, um, uh, kind of like fake credits for a TV show. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. maybe I did see that years and years ago. Is it? It's not new, is it? Uh, it's probably only like a couple of years old okay. at most. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys if you noticed the name of the sponsor on Dash Million Spiel. Yeah, wow. I don't know how you say how they say that stabiliet or something. Yeah, or? so I think that's like I was like that's a funny name. And the first time I noticed it was uh, when it was advertising something I thought was like a uh, a, a potency en- a potency enhancer. What do they call that? A penis uh, stay stay on harder. Mm-hmm. What do they call those drugs? I can't remember. Male um, enhancement. Male enhancement Male drug. <laughs> Male enhancement drug. You know, um, I, I, I think that was the first time I noticed it. And I'm like, that's a funny name. Stabilite. Stability. And then I broke it down. It's two oh. words. Stable elite. Oh, yeah. Oh. Right? Now I get it. And who is the sponsor of the show is the stable elite. We got to keep. And by the time we get to the 83 movie, that's the whole purpose of the show as sort of evidenced in the king book which is came out just a year before and Mm -hmm. is the basis of 
of the 87 movie, right? Right. And uh, Wait, which is the 87 movie? That's The Running the Man. Running Man. Oh, that's The Running Man. The, King, one, right. uh, the Schwarzenegger film, right? So it's – and that's from – I mean, it's funny because it's from the book, right? But it's in the movie adapted from The Prize of Peril. And I think it's tracking real-life trends, right? What are the people's concerns? In the 50s, it's sort of like, um, isn't this funny, right? There's no real concern in a certain sense. It's just a satire, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that if you guys have read um, a great... Uh, Sheckley is amazing. And he was never, I think, as much appreciated here as he was in Europe. He was a god in Europe, um, probably because of the movies of uh, this Dutch Million Spiel. And um, there's another one, uh, The Tenth Victim, which is based on the short story I was going to mention, The Seventh Victim. Um, hmm. Have you guys read that one? No. Uh, Scott? I'm trying, to re- I'm trying to remember if I have okay. or not. Um, it sounds familiar to me. Seventh Victim What's is... The premise? Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a very interesting premise. It's... Um, people live their regular lives, but because everything's so, uh, you know, regular, everybody's got their money, um, some people who otherwise would like to have war or strife or stress relief sign up for um, a game in which they either become the hunter or the hunted. And they are given a gun and permission to track down and hunt and kill people it's an assassination game um so there's no prize money involved um it's just the legal killing of another human being and so in the story the premise is is that this is a way of keeping um violence down by making anybody who wants to be violent participate in well not making them allowing them to participate in the game that'll kill other violent people Right. Did you notice as well that um, that's that Black Mirror episode as well, the white oh, bear? Yeah. Where the yeah, the hunt right. it's the hunters chasing the um the criminals the murderers yeah the criminals yeah right. as a game show and everyone's watching on their phones with and, their mind wipes of the crime that they did and of the previous mm-hmm. time they've been hunted and yeah yeah and it's set up like a theme park where everyone can go in and and film this person getting chased through these neighborhoods and stuff. Right. And, Nice. I'm pretty sure. I just looked up uh, on SFF Auto. You have a post, mm-hmm. and it uh, has the X minus one episode. Mm-hmm. So I bet you that's where I've heard it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I've listened to most of those. It's uh, it was published in Galaxy originally, um, and that that story's public domain. I do recommend everybody read it. Um, mm-hmm. There there is an Italian adaptation called Tenth Victim, and it, it's kind of about psychology again. It's about the death wish and the life wish, right? So. Why do you sign up for this? Well, you say it's because it's thrilling and I want to kill people. But actually, it's thrilling. I want to kill people and I also want to die, right? I want to be killed. Yeah. Which I think that's in the Shakley story as well, right? Yeah, it's a, absolutely. basically like a suicide that's uh, right. option. It's, it's psychological, right? You know, what, uh, I, was, I read this story with my students, and one of the things I, I highlighted was um, – <laughs> all the there's a whole lot of funny things and it's all humor basically but one of the things is yeah six years ago jim congress passed the voluntary suicide act which makes me think that there's another act the involuntary suicide act because, uh, <laughs> oh. how can you have a voluntary suicide act unless it's 
And I think that's in the um, the '83 movie as well, the um, pre pre to, pre to danger, right? Um, uh, did you guys note all in the short the Sheckley short all the names of the shows? Um, yeah, I loved it. So yeah, and that kind of made the because um, I watched um, Das Millionspiel first, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I didn't really get the car race thing like i was like oh it's just a car race but then in the shakley story it's kind of explained they're total amateurs right. racing high powers <laughs> like racing cars like, yeah. i think that was what's it called hazard or something or spills. yeah 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 so there's um hazard spills emergency and <laughs> underwater perils oh and carrero <laughs> which is the one in spain yeah. right <clears throat> oh yeah that's cool, oh, and that was in that was in Million Spiel too, where he woke up in a oh, cockpit yeah. of an airplane. Oh god, that was so funny. Honestly, if anyone listening to this hasn't seen that movie yet, I think it's one of the greatest movies. Of it is watched. really terrific. <laughs> oh, absolutely, it's so yeah. funny. Thumbs up. It's, yeah. it's surprisingly uh, under underground because I've been, you know, hunting down science fiction movies for twenty five years, and I it was totally off my radar. Yeah, well, that's why I love this podcast, because I lived in Germany for like nine years, and all I ever did was complain about their TV and movies. They're like, it's so crap. There's nothing to watch. And um, I can't believe I just totally missed this well, film I, somehow. I, apparently, it was uh, it was off the air for 20 years as well. But mm. um, well, another interesting thing about Deschmillionspiel is that it was apparently broadcast at a time when there wasn't commercial uh, television in Germany. It was huh. all publicly funded, so it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a if we go there sort of situation. Um, and, wow! And you know, we have CBC up here in Canada. We also have CTV, which is the name of the uh, network on the '83 <laughs> movie. Um, and CTV is a commercial network. Uh, there's another commercial network as well. And m- mostly, what they do is they just broadcast American uh, television shows, and then because of Canadian content regulations, which is uh, since you're getting free access to the public airwaves, you have to make Canadian stuff. They just remake American shows with Canadian stuff. So there's, you know, Canadian Idol and um, Big Brother Canada, right? Which are not like, uh, they're not good. CBC doesn't do, couldn't do a show like this. Uh, like, like the two uh, hunted and and uh, the other one. <laughs> it's it, it, people wouldn't accept that the government uh, was putting the money into that. But oh, yeah. it, I see that Ooh. criticism of Dash Millionspiel as being really apt and sort of lost now because. Everything's commercialized on television, right? Even Netflix has a show like this. Um, it's uh, hosted by Sylvester Stallone, another one of these oh, wow. 80s actions heroes, right? <laughs> and it's called, uh, I don't know, it's a dragon. It's, it's a bunch of athletes running through hoops to get money. Wow. Uh, I love what the Shakley story said was that... Um, he's kind of like looking ahead even further than now then I guess where mm-hmm. people are going to get bored of seeing pros and gladiators doing this stuff they want like really poor loser you know helpless people to be put in these situations and yeah. watch them fight their way out of it yeah 
that's what fear factor was though too right is that it's just right. the people mm-hmm. forced to eat weird shit for money yeah, well, 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 it's just eating. They had to do other things as well. I remember one episode watching Fear Factor where they they had to train and then make a jump from one speeding semi to another. I'm thinking, oh my god, I could never do that, no matter how poor I was. Like, yeesh. You haven't been uh, poor enough yet, Paul. I haven't been poor. You're right. I have not been <laughs> poor enough. I'm desperate enough to right, do something. The, like that it. scene right near the end of of the Running Man, where uh, in the book, where he says, uh, put on the parachute, and she says, I can't, and he says, I'll just shoot you then. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, my friend Steen, he likes jumping out of airplanes that are not on fire or have their wings broken off. Um, you can't get me to do that, but if the airplane is does have its wings on fire or uh, has its wings broken off or whatever, I will jump out of the airplane, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, fair the fact that you can uh, find people to do eat those things and jump over those things um, is it uh, I, I don't think that was possible in the in the 50s right and that I think is part of the criticism is no matter how we slice it there's a lot more poor people today than there was in the 50s unless you're yeah. starting to break it down by race or something or or uh, you know country I think it's just in that that feeling, um, it's like this Stephen King book seems way more relevant today than it yeah. uh, than it would have in the eighties. I think. I mean, I know there was a crisis in the early eighties, but it didn't feel like that, did it? Yeah. Well, it's not just like um, that. There's more poor people as well. It's it's the um, all the air pollution. It's, yeah. Well, no, it's the it's the media. Like we're all everyone's looking at each other. It's like that Sam Harris uh, talk. It's the attention economy, you know, where Mm, how much attention you have is your status. And like, so there's these desperate people and we don't see the people in third world countries and how they're suffering. That's right. So that we're not comparing to that. So these people are like desperate. They need more money to live up to the middle class. And then they've, they've got this huge attention economy where everything is about your status and how many eyeballs are on you at a time. Sort of. Yeah. Oh, you, you you mentioned something I want to go back to for a moment and, and think about. I didn't realize, uh, I mean, I had heard of this uh, Stephen King novel. I hadn't actually read it until I listened to this audiobook. I didn't realize about the environmental subplot, basically. Oh, man, that's a really powerful, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's really powerful. It's like, I this is not in the adaptations. This is something that's... That King definitely decided I'm going to I'm going to put in an, basically an environmental uh, advert message warning into into this novel and basically as a through line. I mean, he keeps thinking about. I mean, I mean, he he in his little videos that he sends to network, he keeps he keeps talking about the environment until they start bleeping him out and mm-hmm. over drowning yeah. him. All only I, for the lip readers, right? Only only for the only for the lip readers. This. Both that and the ending of this of uh, the Stephen King novel make me think of the movie They Live. Hmm. Yeah. It's, um. Be- interesting yeah, be- comparison because because the ending of They Live has him make a a sacrifice that kills himself to top, to help topple a network and expose reality and there's even there's even line, there's a there's a line somebody talking on a TV and They Live about. 
about the world's uh, pollution basically making the alien, we're basically acclimatizing our atmosphere to the aliens' atmosphere. Right. So, so in in some ways, they live. The movie is also a spiritual sort of uh, riff off of this desperately squeezing sort of world. Another another bit is. In in this not in in the novel and in of course in the Running Man movie and in They Live, there's the whole temptation to power motif where, as as he finally starts getting enough uh, mojo to actually shake the system, there's that. Well, why don't you come to our mm-hmm. side? Why, why why don't you join us? We could use you. It's like a it, a three year contract, Ben. That's standard yep. for a network stalker. Yep. And, and um, they li- and they live. Of course, some of the poor people are recruited, basically to you, to uh, yep. basically join the thing. And yeah, uh, what's um, Keith Davis' character says? You do it to your own kind, exactly. Yeah. By the way, that was also published in FNSF. A lot of really good uh, science fiction and fantasy have been published in FNSF. It was sort of the premier magazine. Um, the the uh, sorry, the original eight o'clock in the morning by uh, Ray Nelson. Yeah, Ray Nelson. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and and notice in the original eight o'clock in the morning, um, that environmental element was not at the forefront, right? That that uh, rage against the um, the society and how how relevant it was, I guess, in in that same period in the eighties, right, with people left behind by the Reagan eco- trickle down economy, um, it does it does feel even more relevant. It's wow, that's a good connection, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that that you reminded me of, Paul, that um, struck me with the Stephen King book and that movie was the editing that was done by that network. Mm-hmm. You know, before they showed it to every all the people, and I think that that's one of the biggest problems we have in our society today oh, is yeah. that nobody is agreeing agreeing on what real is. Uh-huh. You know, we we don't have facts that we all agree on. So, um, you know, we're, we're very, very much split depending on what facts we take in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a huge problem. And um, it's so easy to, to edit now, right? <laughs> but I thought that that was, a, that was a subtext in the Stephen King stuff that um, I picked up as well. It's funny and again, because, that's just more relevant than ever. It is. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, is it, you know, a lot of, I guess, uh, that's not us. That's not the, what we're doing here. And I'm not saying that at all but a lot of people who look at sf casually always say oh it's so predictive oh it's not it's reflective right but the thing Mm -hmm. is is um that's not even how we do it right now that's that's not the way we uh we don't take different cuts of the footage and put it up we just frame it in different ways so um when when a hospital gets bombed, right? Uh, you know, it, it's framed a certain way. Whereas when um, it, it's the framing that does it, it isn't like yeah. edited footage. Like in, yeah, and so when CNN guys go on and they say, uh, <laughs> he quotes uh, uh, Leonard Cohen. We we love the beauty of our weapons while the Tomahawk missiles are going to strike Syria. Um, uh-huh. um, what the hell? But because that's the that's the talk that's the main message that's in the atmosphere, 
no, it doesn't seem like most people like say, what the hell? They don't shake their heads. But once you step out of it and say, look at that framing, oh my God, you can see it so much better. I, I didn't see at the time of um, watching the uh, the Take the Money and Run show how how much in the context of it being a exploitation of people who are poor uh, needing to have money um, and and undergoing interrogation, uh, like humiliating interrogation by professionals who, like, you want Paul Bishop to be interrogating people who are homicide, uh, you know, committed homicide, because that's, they're they're homicidal. (laughs) They, They killed somebody and they we need justice but when it's just a guy trying to get uh, you know some money so he can go to college or send his kids to college or you know give his mom some money because he's been living at her house for uh, i noticed on that hunter show i couldn't Mm -hmm. get through the first episode because we didn't have enough time but i noticed the second pair of people was a mom living with her daughter and the daughter's an adult and the mom says we're like sisters and like yeah, you have to live with your daughter now, don't you? Because you can't yeah. have your own home because it's too expensive and there's no jobs available that pay well enough. So she she wants the money so she could, you know, get her daughter her own home one day. That So putting the pressure on people like that, uh, if you have enough people putting the pressure on, that's why this is so relevant, right? I don't I don't know mm-hmm. how relevant it was in the 80s when King wrote it. But it's so relevant now. Well, um, yeah, I, actually, I think he wrote it in the seventies. But go ahead. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I forgot that I saw a, a mention of a Japanese game show that kind of inspired the Running Man game mm-hmm. show setup. So I just looked it up while we were talking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the Trans America Ultra Quiz, and there was a Japanese show in the eighties that they put the contestants through pretty much exactly these things. They put them in a ring with a bull. They dropped them under the water. They had to do wow. these super dangerous things. And the prize yeah. was a trip to America. <laughs> yeah. <Wow. laughs> and there's like a picture of, of like the contestants literally, un- they're all standing underwater at their um, little um, press button podiums with, uh, yeah, underwater gear on waiting for their question. Yeah. Yeah. That, that reminds me of something, Marissa. Uh, I actually watched the running man twice in, preparation for this wow. once normally and once i turned on the director commentary uh-huh. so oh. I, wanted to, I wanted to see what the, i want to see what the director had to say about the about the movie and a bunch of it was stuff that's not really relevant to to much i mean a, the the original director of this movie got fired after a week so they had bring somebody in right and that guy finished the movie and that's the guy of course they had on the interview and he's talking about the problems of suddenly being dropped into the deep end and trying to deal with uh, stuff he hadn't written, he hadn't approved and just had to go with. Right. But mm-hmm. so, so he, he talked a little bit about the, the whole, how, how very different Schwarzenegger is from the, from uh, Ben Richards in the, in the novel. Who's, mm-hmm. who's not, who's not the big buff Schwarzenegger type. And that, that, that threw me a little bit when I actually started reading this novel. Like, this is not anything like a Schwarzenegger character. He's, yeah. he's scrawny. He's not very I – mean, he, he keeps uh, getting beat up. He, he, I mean, he breaks down physically over the over the course of the novel. But in, in the movie, they were talking about, oh, 
about how they were trying to create the uh, the look and the inspirations for the game show, and they said, "Oh, yeah, we we we, we took it all from Japanese TV shows." Huh. <laughs> That's so crazy. So yeah, mm-hmm. just um, the idea of that as well. That you know, we're we're talking about all this fiction and you know, but that people literally did get dropped into a bull ring and into the desert and oh, how did no one die on those shows? Well, that is amazing. They probably do. Yeah. We I, haven't even, we haven't mentioned hunger games. No. Oh so yeah. Super popular, uh, but kind of uh, a similar premise, right? Yeah. 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 Once you look back at all these and especially the stories, you're like, Oh, you can see what, what it's all built from. Yeah. Yeah. It is something how, um, this story, you know, from the most dangerous game mm-hmm. and all these versions that we're seeing. And then um, you look back on Roman times where mm-hmm. throwing people in the arena and mm-hmm. and all that stuff. It's, it's definitely a regular motif in fiction since Rome, right? Maybe even yeah. before Rome. I don't know. I love mm-hmm. that tension that we get in, especially in Desmillionspiel, where, where I, what I love about that movie is I have no idea what I'm supposed to feel. And I think that they, right. that's how they want it because some people are saying completely legitimate things in the audience. Right. And then other people are, are like, you asshole, right? you fuckhead. Um, and then other people are more sanguine or more whatever, you know, stoic or whatever. And, and it's, it's just, here's this phenomenon. What do you think of it? And because everyone's yeah, does, thinking about it, right? it does feel non-judgmental. Oh, it's right? so they're non-judgmental. Not, they're 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 yeah. uh, they've they've removed themselves enough where they're not letting uh, the conclusion. Uh, the conclusion's not in the movie. That's right. Yeah, but and also yours. yeah, yeah, and also you as the viewer are kind of separated because it's one of those few movies you watch where they like you're not really the character isn't really. Um, you're not really engaged with the character. You're yeah. kind of watching the host yeah. um, manipulating the show and interviewing people. But I had no idea if we were supposed to be like, if the guy was meant to win or lose and how we were supposed to feel about that either. Cause mm-hmm. it was really through the host's eyes almost like mm-hmm. he was kind of, Oh, I didn't think that ad really was appropriate right there, right after the stuff is happening. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. So Scott, maybe we, we can talk a little bit about the, the span not the Spanish movie, the Italian, French, Russian movie. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Prize of Peril. Who who's watched it again? Me and you. Anybody else? Well, I yeah, I've watched yeah. it, but I would you know because the the subtitles were off. Yeah, subtitles are broken. You know, I'm not going to yeah. say that. Uh, I'm going to have a lot to discuss about that movie, but it was interesting. It seemed more slick, less yes. gritty. It, um, it it seemed to have a bigger budget, which also didn't look as good. Right. Um, uh, so they have a, uh, a dirigible, um, uh-huh. airship, um, a blimp. <laughs> um, they have <laughs> helicopters. They have, uh, you know, motorcycles. motorcycles. Um, People on cameras on the back. Yeah. People with cameras on the back. Yeah. Right. They have a lot of uh, gear, and it makes it seem like. I don't know. It's a little more plausible somehow. It it deviates from the the short story quite a bit. Uh, das Millionspiel is incredibly faithful um, in a lot of respects. There there's a lot more um, stage or um, present. I don't know. Three ring circus dancers and stuff like that than is in the story, obviously. Mm. Um, but you know, as you're saying that, um, my mind's going. So is it true that in 
um, in European cities, London especially, that they've got surveillance cameras all over the place. In in England, yes. In London Is for it? sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and just in London, not likely in Berlin. It's just uh, an English no. thing? Okay. Well, the, the, that hunted show, they're using that as well, right? So... Um, one of the things they showed is um, you get $500 in your bank account and you can withdraw. So one of the amazing technical feats that you see in the novel is how you are able to be on the run and also, uh, you know, get caught is because you have to mail your tapes in, right? Every 24 hours or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a brilliant uh, way of doing it because... If he self-records, um, he has to go to a mailbox, etc. So that works really well. With Prize of Peril, um, the, the pre the danger and the Dash Million Spiel, they're following him around with cameras. Uh, and and in that hunted show, they have a camera in the car while they're driving away, right? So if, I'm imagining where this goes, Paul. Maybe you can tell us. When they go to the homeless shelter, which is where I would go, and of course that's where the cops will look, um, it won't they stand out while there's like you know you're lying in your cot uh you know huddling and wondering what you're going to do for tomorrow when there's this camera guy and a, a guy with a boom standing over you won't the other homeless people know, notice that when the cops come <laughs> asking later i mean i mean we have that issue that's uh, the, the the meta issue is so interesting because it's in everything right and that's why going back to the original story with the name reader being the first a raider being the first na- first thing you see in the story, it is about putting us in in that position, and and we become the everyman, the Ben Richards in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, I just I want to think about why that why the Italian, French, Russian movie isn't as good, <laughs> even beyond the subtitles. But I think there's good elements in it. One of the things that I, I really liked was um, the the game show host. The um, Richard Dawson or whatever version, yeah. Killian guy. Yep. Um, he seemed very. Uh, they're they're all kind of um, friendly. Apparently, the German one, the Dash Million Spiel guy, was uh, a very famous uh, presenter as well. In the same way that um, Richard Dawson. I don't know if you they, everybody knows. Does everybody yeah. know who Richard Dawson was before that movie? Oh, absolutely. In fact, they were in that director's commentary. They were talking about that in the in the filming of the movie. Richard Dawson just came across so so strongly that they actually had to cut him back because he was overwhelming Schwarzenegger as the main character of the film. They had to actually edit the film because Dawson was just all all over that movie, and you can you can still feel it because yeah. I mean, I mean, he had decades of Family Feud experience to just channel it to this evil evil game show producer and he just ran with it beautifully harlan ellison uh had nothing but bad things to say about the movie other Har- than Harla- other than Harla dawson ellison have have uh, yeah good things to say about people <laughs> no he, he but uh, I, what i like about harlan ellison is he doesn't give you his varnished opinion right oh, n- <laughs> he, yeah. he doesn't ever politic about shit he's so when he likes something it's true Right, for him, you know, you're getting an honest take on it, and he really did like Richard Dawson. He says, you know, it should have been nominated for a Emmy or what? I guess it's not an Emmy, right? It's a, an Oscar. 
because it's not actually a show. I I, I just came across I I it was in the back of my mind. I didn't quite remember it. It wasn't very good. I, another movie which kind of takes this idea and runs with it mm-hmm. from the uh, from the early uh, from the mid nineties called The Pest with John Leguizamo. Mm-hmm. Basically, he basically plays this uh, this uh, Miami con artist who agrees to allow himself to be hunted by this German, and if he, he st- loses him, he gets fifty thousand dollars. So, yeah, there's, uh, there's a there's a ton of movies, and I've I've gone through them that are basically just remakes of of the original nineteen twenty four Richard Connell story. Um, yeah. Uh, the most dangerous game. I mean, it, there is an almost endless list of it. In fact, uh, if you start digging, uh, there was a show I think from last year called The Contenders, and the one that I haven't seen that I I now really really do want to see is something mm-hmm. called Series Seven. Did you guys ever see that one? No. Um, no. Oh, not me. Okay, so the startling image you see on that one, I think it's a British one actually, um, is it's a pregnant woman. With a with a pistol in her hand, she's running for the money, and you know I think it's <laughs> it, it's a more of a, um, it's more of a, what do they call a battle royale style, which by the way is a is a growing, ever intensity, uh, phenomenon since since the Japanese movie called Battle Royale, but, um, even a, a new computer game that I bought, um, called Player Unknowns, um, Battlegrounds. Is a first-person shooter where it's a battle royale, which it basically means is everybody kills everybody, right? Um, and the oh, last wow. man standing is the is the winner. So you're dropped into uh, you're dropped over an island uh, somewhere in Europe uh, from an airplane. You have nothing except what you're wearing, and you uh, run and find a machine gun, and then uh, a helmet and guns and grenades and all the stuff you need, right? Even a frying pan, and when you uh, land, your the whole island's available to you. But every five minutes or so, the area of life is constricted by in a <laughs> random way, so that um, there's a circle that is shown on the map, and you have to get within that circle within a certain amount of time, or you die, right? Because the, this wall comes and kills you. Um, and is it set up like a game? Like is, your contestants in like a game for money or it for? It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, I, there is money. Um, there, there's no back. There's no cutscenes or backstory. So. You, um, okay. And the game is, you know, still in development or whatever. So. Um, yeah, because just from you saying that, I'm, I was just thinking, like, is there any computer games set up on this absolutely. premise? Because yeah, it's huge now. It's it's going to be even huger in a couple of years. But this game was made by four people. Um, in Europe, that's why it has such a funny name, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Four people in Europe, and apparently it made $16 million on Steam in the first week. Wow. Which means each of those guys gets $4 million. Um, and the game is not like... Um, it's not like finished in any stretch of the imagination. And it's... The other thing is... is it doesn't have any new software. It's all using existing sort of stuff you can license. So they designed it. And it, it's just very interesting because it, it, it sort of fits with the time of the war of all against all is coming back. The whole thing yeah. the state was supposed to protect us against, right? The war of all against all 
where life was nasty, brutish, and short, to uh, mm-hmm. quote Hobbes. Um, now we're back. No, we're back to it, and uh, the state's going to help out. <laughs> and they're going <laughs> to throw us in that airplane and drop us out over some island and make us machine gun each other. <laughs> I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to jump from one rail car to another. Uh, oh, dear God. No, maybe I don't volunteer as tribute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do really like jump. the idea of uh, computer games based on these. They're like, I don't know why I never thought of that before. That that's, yeah. It's just so perfect. Well, that. Well, well, if you think about it, I mean, just just, just a lot of your first-person shooters where you have people spawning and going out and killing each other, that's basically this sort of concept in uh, in its most raw and primal form. Okay, I have I have my gun. I got to go I get, but, get killed or not. Yeah, but it's without the, the kind of the comedy or the surreal stuff that you can have in like a game show with the ads and the, the crazy true. surreal stuff. Like I would love to play a game with all that stuff that's just amusing at the same time. Why is this stuff so funny? It's so dark. <laughs> really dark. Did you guys ever see a comedy from the '80s called The Assassination Game? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Uh, it took place on a college campus, and um, you would get uh, a picture of someone that you were supposed to assassinate, but assassinate meant you'd shoot him with a, a plastic dart. You know, so it was just like, boom, you're dead, you know, and so you won that game, but nobody really died. The movie was about uh, someone who actually got murdered, mm-hmm. but uh, it was uh. just, you know, you'd get it and, you know, people would hunt each other on campus and shoot them with this plastic dart. I think huh. um, uh, Harlan Ellison. And you register yeah. with a game runner and you'd say, yep, I did it. Harlan Ellison it- mentions uh, one of the ones that is a spawned off of that called uh, Gotcha, which takes, it starts with that premise of, you know, they're using. Uh, a rubber or exploding. oh, like paintball guns. Paintball, yeah, they'd be using paintball yeah. guns on campus, <laughs> and apparently this was a thing, like a phenomenon, um, mm-hmm. in the in colleges. Um, obviously, a lot of boys running around <laughs> with these things would get in trouble eventually. But um, the movie Gotcha starts with that premise, and then he becomes he goes to Europe for a trip or something. And becomes it's like a spy game, and it's it's actually quite good. I think Harlan Ellison shits on a lot of stuff. Um, because yeah, he's right that the Running Man is no great movie in many respects. Uh, it's pretty awful. It's one of Schwarzenegger's worst movies, and he doesn't like Schwarzenegger, so it's got right. some problems. But uh, for me, the reason I really, really wanted to do this book was thinking about uh, fake news. Ah, <laughs> um, uh-huh. fake news, and what it has, you know. It's so well set up in that movie. I mean, uh, the thing is, it's, it is a kind of a cartoon for stupid people, uh, the Schwarzenegger movie, right? In a certain sense, compared to Desmillion Spiel, which is much, much more intellectually, you know, sophisticated. Yeah, interesting. You, I can tell that from when I'm watching it, like, you, I kind of laugh more like, <laughs> like, it's just like a dumber, <laughs> oh man, a it's dumber so stupid. comedy. It's yeah, stupid. it's so great and, and so stupid. <laughs> It's stupid in many, many... I mean, Dweezil Zappa doesn't deserve to be on my screen <laughs> ever. Hey, Mick Fleetwood was magnificent. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I do like him a lot. What happened to Buzzsaw? Oh, oh he had to split. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all those jokes and everything. Yeah, the, the movie to me was just a joke. I, reading, I mean, watching it after reading the book was a, a big letdown. No, uh, really you know, I, I remembered the movie, but the movie was nothing compared to the book. The, the movie it felt like the point of it was different it, right? and everything. 
It, I, that I don't know. I'm pretty sure he um, didn't have his name. But, on. you know, Stephen King movies are mostly horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, mostly. I mean, there are some exceptions, but. Well, uh, well, well I'm trying to think mostly. of an exception, and it's hard. Yeah. Because well, one, I, I, like, uh, well. I can think of some exceptions, but. Like what? Uh, 1408. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. Let's Exception see. The storm. The storm of the century. I liked. Yeah, like the shining. The sh- the shining. I didn't like. Um, but but only it was more of a point of view. It was kind of um, Kubrick's The Shining was just so uh, pessimistic. I, I don't know if that's the word. <laughs> oh, yeah. it, it, it just bummed me out so bad. I love that. <laughs> I yeah. Love yeah and out. it was just like. Uh, you know, saying it, the Running just, Man you know, book didn't yeah, bum you out? Jesus the, Christ! Um, this is the worst book I've ever read. The Mist. If you haven't seen The Mist, Marissa, and you oh, like man. The Shining, you'd be oh, like, "Oh God, the ending to The Mist! Oh, oh God!" There's a good. Yeah. That's apparently better than the book. It was not because of the ending, Scott. Because it of the was ending. not. The ending was horrible. That's why <laughs> it's so. Good. Marissa, don't say anything else. Let Marissa see it and then okay, let us yeah. know. <laughs> that could it. be another podcast, but um, but anyway, um, but yeah, I just didn't like the movie hardly at all. I thought it was just a joke and and. It removed all of the the pointed stuff from the novel. Really yeah. did, um, yeah, yeah. So I want to I want to go to the point though that the reason why that movie is still worthy to me is the price uh, somebody and Haddad, right? We get the preview of them uh, living it up under the Maui sun, Maui right? sun, and then yeah. we find Price and whatever his name in Haddad in the in the locker room, and then. Mm-hmm. They blow it up and then they show the cameras like, uh, like the logic of the film is broken, but the big lie, you know, look, they're living it up under the Maui sun, right? Um, it it's weapons of mass destruction, right? It's it's the big lie that everybody says. It's on the front page of the New York Times, and then Dick Cheney says, look, it's on the front page of the New York Times after leaking it to the lady who wrote the article. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, in that in the French movie as well. Like I only got to see like thirty or forty minutes before the subtitle thing got too bad. But oh, um, there was some quotes in there that I caught. Like I think at one point someone says something like, um, "In a society where everything is a show, a protest is just another show." Yeah, and they're yeah, they're kind yeah, of talking about. I think it could be a really good movie if the subtitles weren't broken in the Russian. I wrote that line down too, Marissa. It's right yeah. here. <laughs> I yeah. wrote it down. I was like, "That's really good." And, and they so talk about today, yeah, yeah, about like revolutions being show, like show business, or when a revolution becomes show business, like everything is a big show, and and that's that's what our president is right now. That's yeah, everything. It's, oh God, he's 100%. a game show host. He exactly. is that's perfect. Yes, <laughs> it is like right now the ultimate reality show. We're all watching our screens. We're watching politics as like a kind of entertainment. Like I'm afraid I checked out about. Two months ago, I could take no more, and I, yeah. I checked completely out. It's like you guys need to let me know what's going on. Let me know when the bombs start flying. I mean, just considering the Running Man, when we have Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura wrestling each other, those are two governors. Oh my god! Two future governors. This is right. what I'm saying, right? This is what I'm saying. Oh. And the thing is, is both of them would make much better presidents than the game show guy, and they they come from the wrestle, like you know the. Uh, well, one of them comes from wrestling, which is basically, you know, uh, acting with, you know, ballet for big guys, right? Um, <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. You just offended so many people. <laughs> <laughs> They're talented. They're talented. I, I didn't see yeah. that at the time, but I see it now. Um, 
there's there's something really really powerful about of, about that image of you know and the fact that it's set in 2017 the book is uh the, the book is not right it's set in 20 oh yeah 25 but the thing is is there's so much about about the the parody that is 1987 and the plot with the underground you know guys who are gonna break the system all you, that the fact that the fact that Killian gets his his in the end of the movie and in and in the book, I think we're supposed to get the idea that in the end of the Schwarzenegger movie everything's going to be all right now. Whereas I have no feeling that the system's broken in in any of the other stories. A blow has been struck, mm. but yeah, I don't think the system's going to go over. Whereas the Burning Man movie, I agree with you. Yeah, this is the revolution, and the dictatorship's going to be overthrown right. happily Once ever the after. The truth is known; everybody will will uh, revolt, right? Yeah, that's very optimistic for twenty for our twenty seventeen. That's where you what I'm saying, right? Truth yeah. and fake news, and you could put the truth on, like, oh, that's just fake news. Don't believe it, and okay, we won't believe the truth. Well, that's it. You know, we don't we don't even agree on what the truth is. Like I said earlier, we have yeah. no agreement. You know, global warming's not real. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things right there. But it's just like, uh, you know, how can you possibly come to a consensus when um, you don't agree on what the facts are? Yeah, or you don't agree on how to know what is a fact. Like, mm. yeah, you don't even yeah. have like criteria for. You don't even agree on like how you tell what the truth is. We learn what the yeah. truth is. But the thing is, is it's not. No, yeah. I mean, it's so it's so charged that if we attempt to teach people how to know what a fact is, like in an elementary school. Yeah. Will be. They think shot it's down. like brainwashing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because they're saying they don't like the facts that um, you're saying are facts. But the, but it is not all. I don't know how we get out of this. Well, it's not all bottom down, right? So it's not like the bottom is is wrecking it for the top. It's it's a big combination of ignorance at the bottom, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the fact that people, I mean, the school system is broken. Everybody knows this. Um, it, it's been broken probably since 18, 1899 when it was invented, right? Um, no, I'm, I don't know. I'm, yeah, go ahead and go where you're going, but I, I mean, don't. So far, I, so far, I disagree. Uh, the thing is, is I think I think we're really good at teaching in elementary school. Uh, we everybody learns to read pretty much now, which is really great, and everybody gets basic math. And then things start going off the rails as soon as we get into high school because we're we're all trying to pass exams and get into university. Um, so that instead of you know teaching civics, uh, so that people are good citizens, they're trying to make them get a good SAT score. And that right, and why are they disaster. trying to get a good SAT score? So they can get you know, a good job. So right? They can get a good job, right? But not so, because they can yeah, be good so citizens. Well, right? I, I, okay, I agree with that. I guess um, what I what I would point out as the biggest problem, but you know, things have always been somewhat like this. It's just more pronounced right now, is that there are people that are floating around in, in the bubbles, right? If you want to find a news outlet that agrees with you, you can find one. Yeah. And you can listen only to that period for the rest of you. your life, and it will do nothing but feed 
whatever uh, convictions that you have. And then when you're presented with facts, you're not going to change your mind because you have years worth of reinforcement of whatever it was that you're into. Mm-hmm. So that, that to me is the biggest thing. You can find an outlet that agrees with you and stick with that period. And that has become more pronounced um, on, on, you know, if you want to call it two sides, liberal and conservative in the United States, that has become pronounced over the last 20 years. Uh, here was, here's what I would say, though, is that, that that responsibility isn't just based on the schools. Because because the air I agree, thing, I agree. Right? It's not based on the schools, it, right? So w- what choices are you given for regular news, right? You're given ABC, CBS, or NBC. Um, on, uh, Nobody on the free view. Anymore. That's that's what I love. Uh, that's what I love the about free view. The free view. His criticism of of television is greater than Ray Bradbury's. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I think that this book is a much better indictment of television than. Fahrenheit 451 or any of the other indictments that Bradbury was very good at. Um, mm-hmm. beca- I mean, you know, the, there's the story of the Velt, which is also uh, an attack on television, and that's a powerful, powerful story. But I think that this one is much more... Um, I mean, television is both good and bad, but it's incredibly powerful. And the fact that f- the free view is... Dis- and that's even mentioned in the Running Man movie, right? Um, it's it's kind of subtle, and I guess you probably oh if you uh, I've seen it a few times over the years. I saw it in the '80s. I've seen it a couple times since then. I saw it for this week. One of the things is you want them in the house watching the TV, not out in the streets protesting, right? And so you give them their reality, their bread and circuses, right? And everybody's got bread, right? That's the thing is, yeah, people are poor, but they all have food. But we're at we're at the point where our technology should allow us to want more than just food, healthcare too, because that's also available, right? And maybe even some uh, vacation time, like they have in Europe, right? <laughs> um, and maybe some better education, um, just to you know grow our minds a bit, because it's good to have education. It makes you smarter and makes you yeah uh, happier in a certain sense. Maybe a little bit of clean air. Yeah, some clean air. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Or clean water, you know, yeah. instead of yeah. You know, I I think wet. you know this is this is science fictional too. But uh, my job right now is I teach automated manufacturing. You know, so I I get a lot of people who problem, have three jobs. Saying, right. Yeah, I'm part of the problem. Yeah. So, but I I get a lot of students that are working those multiple jobs, like you're saying, and they right. come to us because they would like to be trained. You know, so I'm training technicians on how to work in manufacturing plants with industrial wipers. robots and such. Don't so, um, so what I'm saying is we have in front of us something that's coming, and uh, there's been a lot of talk about it, but we're, society is about to fundamentally change yeah. because of the advent of robotics in a big, big way. And the thing is, we have an opportunity here to remake society to be better, mm-hmm. right? Is it, you know, what uh, we talk about, well, it's going to displace jobs and things. Well, yeah, it is going to displace jobs, but a lot of the jobs it's going to displace are lousy ones. Yep. But what will society look like in 20 years when these industrial robots do come? In fact, we're, we're told that, you know, um, any job that's making, you know, $20 or less an hour 
will probably be replaced by a robot in twenty in the next twenty years. Mm-hmm. This is going to be huge. But the thing is, it's an opportunity. What can change? You know, um, yeah. I don't have the answer, but I think that we have an opportunity to fundamentally change the way society operates. It's got to change because. Well, yeah. It has to change. Number, How it's going to change, we don't the know. The number Hopefully one it's job not. in a whole, what was the majority of the states in the United States, the number one job, you know, the job most people had, if you, like, you know, there's a civil employment or something like that, but it's actually, the biggest one is truck driver. Yeah. And that's yeah. going to go because automated driving is coming. And mm-hmm. you know what that's going to mean? Uh, this is one. This is the one I like to do with my students. I get you know some uh, interested to, uh, students. Is you just work through what work through that what this means. And one of the things it means is is if we don't f- fix the economy uh, in some radical way, instead of being you know truck driver, you're going to be truck guard. You're going to be on top like Mad Max, right? Oh, yeah. Sitting on top of that tanker as it drives across the country to make sure it doesn't get hijacked because it will get hijacked you know the reason there are pirates in Somalia is because they don't have any stable government and they don't have any jobs and there's tons of money sitting out there off the coast waiting to be taken and if you don't have a lot of other options you turn pirate just it's not just food and it's not just healthcare; it's also dignity, right? Um, there is a dignity to our hero in this book, even though he's stepping all over yeah. his own guts, right? I, I don't know whether they <laughs> killed his wife or not. I, I have a feeling they did, or sorry, uh, the crowd killed his wife or whatever. I have a feeling she's dead and the kid's dead. Um, I don't think we ever get external confirmation of that. But there is a dignity to him and his defiance. Um, and mm-hmm. that is a real, true human motivation beyond um, beyond having food in your mouth and uh, a roof over your head. You know, life the fact is more than. Yeah, you're living with your mom at you know in your 40s. That's uh, it's a reality for a lot of people. Or your 50s or your 60s. Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Yeah, so in the in the Stephen King's book, um, there's a, a part where it says, you know, sixty had been killed. So he's looking at a food riot on the on the TV. Um, he was vaguely aware that nerve gas was being used in the Midwest right. or in the Mid East. Sorry, yeah. Um, but none of it affected him. Protests did not work. Violence did not work. The world was what it was, and Ben Richards moved through it like a thin scythe, asking for nothing, looking for work. He ferreted out a hundred miserable day-and-a-half jobs. He worked cleaning jellyfish slime under piers and in, stu- in sump ditches where others on the street who honestly believed they were looking for work did nothing. Wow. Um, and he's pimping out but, his wife. You know, we might be headed to, to an even more pronounced society like that, but you know, I, I like to think we're we're trying to think about it and predict and and move towards something. I know there's a lot of warning. the The Obama administration came out with a report where they were like, "This is coming." Um, watch out! I don't know if anybody today's thinking about it. <laughs> I'd like to hope that they are, but 
you know, I, I you know, we've had industrial revolutions before, right? And there is this transition period that's horrible. Yeah. But mm-hmm. what's it going to look like on the other side? You know, yeah. I, I hope that it's positive. Come in with a new deal. Exactly. I, I don't disagree with that at all. You, you either wind up with Roosevelt with a new deal or you get violent, bloody revolution or you get violent, bloody autocracy. Mm-hmm. My, my, my fear is we're going to wind up with number three. Yeah. yeah. It's not it's clear so what's going to happen. No, it's and it's so hard to picture as well because it's not just uh, like truck drivers and these sort of manual jobs. Like there's all this AI being developed where they're trying to get them to do art, you know, like to analyze yeah. Yeah. Stu- books. <laughs> Even and, that stuff, yeah. Yeah. So and like jobs could, like McDonald's. Right? Yeah, I've will there be a day where people. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, will there be a day where people are like buying, you know, literature masterpieces written by AI and pieces of art for their walls that are like <laughs> I can I can I can hear pe- yeah pe- pieces of art on the walls but man yeah well, well I guess a lot of the fiction written today could be done by a ro- by a computer I, yeah. I, had to, I had to go into a McDonald's the other day and they did have automated you know bu- buy your food at the thing you know sort of at the kiosk yeah like, just like but they're, they're talking store, about they uh, have auto- I, I would have to look it up self checkout apparently they're using robots to cook the food oh man Wow, yeah. really? Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> Oh, my God. Gonna... They're feeding us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Pretty soon they're going to be nursing the babies. And... <laughs> you know, it, it, so The Running Man and all these other stories in our reality is just all a prequel to uh, Wally, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear God. The, ro- uh, the, the soft apocalypse is coming, and we're all going to be soft because of it. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, yeah, the machine I, stops. I think or something else, I hope. I just, or something I, else. I just want to point out how awesome it is that this book is so good um, with just how hard it is. Somebody, uh, I was talking uh, with somebody about this book um, and was saying how, you know, the fact that he has to pimp out his wife or his wife is, you know, pimping herself <laughs> out to feed their kid and to, you know, try and get some medicine for their kid. Um, yeah. The thing is, is that's not, that's not, you know, people do that. Yeah. That's where the sex industry comes from, right? Is mm-hmm. it, it's people need to pay bills and. Yeah, it's just human life instead of these kind of like heroic fake characters that we're used to. Uh-huh. Totally, and you never see that in you know anything. It's it's totally untalked about, and I. I give king full credit for that it's amazing or bachman anyways yeah i think it's i think the pseudonym has like so much to do with what you can write you know mm-hmm. that you can take so many more risks when you're writing under a pseudonym like mm-hmm. you can you can be a different writer than the person you are yeah mm-hmm. yeah he did say in the in the introduction that um after he published those and then he started writing more which is what thinner was mm-hmm. right thinner was i think i'm going to write books as richard bachman now and um, he did allow it to be a different character or a different character of writing. And it mm-hmm. was harder. It was kind of like what? Westlake and uh, who did he write the Richard Stark novels? Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. There was, those, are, those are tough books, man. <laughs> they are yeah, yeah, tough. We, yeah we, did, we did a Richard Stark novel on this yeah. very podcast. And, right. And you can feel the difference in, in, in the writing. The, the two kinds of books are very different. Yeah. Yeah. 
A lot of writers do that, don't they? Uh, Christine Catherine Rush, doesn't she have two or three pseudonyms? And I think that those are really genres, though, isn't it? She just has one for science fiction and one for romance. Yeah, I think some... One for mystery. Sometimes it's a marketing thing, and other times it really is. Like, you just don't want your friends and family and people to be (laughs) (laughs) knowing all your dark thoughts and people judging you. I know that uh, I have stopped writing stuff. <laughs> no, I mean, just like I'm writing something and then I start, it starts to go somewhere that I'm embarrassed about huh. and then I stop. Wow. And that's something I need to fix in myself. It's, wow. It's like, you yeah. know, Harlan Ellison, totally 100% honest, right? That's yeah. one of the qualities of his writing that's remarkable. It, it is really funny because every, every time I talk to you about um, – this sort of stuff, you're always like, oh, wait, well, I don't know if I quite agree with you, Jesse. Right? Like, you're very like that, but the thing is, is you're much more drawn to Harlan Ellison and to Stephen King than yeah. I am. Yeah. And mm. they are saying it like it is. It is. They, they do. Like it's it a, the admi- I admire them for that. Oh, yeah. man. They're so yeah. much saying, like, I I, I, I want to read all his other Bachman books now because, because this one was, I, I didn't feel it in The Long Walk. Um, which it, it, I was going to say it's plotting, but that's that's not exactly. So do, how you, it felt. do you know what the the last Bachman book was going to be, or the no uh, the last one he wrote that was going to be a Bachman book, but he was revealed before it was published? Mm-hmm. Oh. is uh, Misery. Oh. oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah so so, so he was revealed with thinner. But Misery was in the queue, and that was going to be by Richard Bachman. Hmm. So was that like who, who figured that out? Was that like a? It was some reporter, some reporter who just figured it out somehow. I don't know exactly oh, how. They hunted him down. They Why hunted do people down. do that? <laughs> I don't know. Stephen King, in the introduction, he said he was really annoyed by it because yeah. he really had something cool going. He he liked it. You know yeah. what? And then uh, since then, I think he's written up. two. Bachman I got, books. I got it. I, I found it on the internet. The link between King and his shadow writer was exposed after Washington, D.C. bookstore clerk Steve Brown noted similarities between the writing styles of King and Bachman. Brown located publisher records at the Library of Congress, which included a document naming King as the author of one of Bachman's novels. Brown wrote to King's publishers with a copy of the documents he had uncovered and asked them what to do. Two weeks later, King, yeah, two weeks later, King telephoned Brown personally and suggested he write an article about how he discovered the truth, allowing himself to be interviewed. At the time of the announcement in 1985, King was working on Misery, which he had planned to release as a Bachman book. Hmm. Oh, so Stephen King kind of like agreed to come out and. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, the jig was up. And, and, and yeah, and, and uh, uh, yeah. Steve Brown did go through this, uh, go through this uh, laborious sort of uh, investigation, real journalism. To prove it, it's like mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. I'm I was going to say before you said that, I was going to say you can tell in a certain sense. One of the things that I really like about this book is, you know, <laughs> a lot of writers do this. Uh, that's the one thing we know about writers is they at least used to be readers, right? When you read Ray Bradbury, the love of books is not very far from any story if it's not explicitly in every story, and uh, the the literature that's dropped in this is, you know, this is Stephen King, right? I can yeah. tell uh, in some of the touches, like, geez, that sounds a lot like something Stephen King would say. <laughs> Just like um, uh, the 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 fact that... What's, that, what's our character's name in this book? I can't even remember. Ben Richards? Oh, uh, ben ben Richards, Richards, of course, right. Okay, I'm getting confused. Yeah, it's the same as in the movie. Um, so Ben Richards is... 
really well read, right? When he when he uh, he's in the hotel or whatever it is in the room, and they say, "Do you want a woman? Uh, you want some food?" And he says, "Fuck off and get me some books." Right? <laughs> <laughs> a couple of thick ones. Um, and then he, oh, they give he, him like a General Atomics novel about a right. a hero rising up through the system. <laughs> right, right, and how fake it is, right? Mm-hmm. And he does these book reviews of it, and it's like I love those are the, my. There's some Shakespeare in here. Um, this is a really good book, really, really, really good. It is, yeah. Yeah, it, I liked it. it. It's funny because he does. I never think of King as a science fiction guy, right? And this one, it feels like it's off center, just like I think when Donald Donald Westlake wrote science fiction too, and he's off center of it. When it's not really him in a certain sense. Yeah. Well, that's why I love Stephen King. He is the gateway drug. Like he's the guy that I was reading when I thought science fiction sucked, and I just liked horror. And then I eventually right. I read these, and then I finally got to the Dark Tower, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is awesome! Mm. I want to yeah. read more science fiction." Did you know that the Dark Tower, the first, I think it's the Gunslinger, was published in Fantasy and Science Fiction magazine first? Oh, cool! Nice. Yeah, the first story. I'm pretty sure it was called The Gunslinger was the first story. And and, and, and one of the Dark Tower novels, uh, Richard Bachman gets mentioned. (laughs) Hmm. So, yeah, so kind of really twisted and mixed around. I should should also mention, uh, you know, the the name Richard comes from Richard Stark for Richard Bachman. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, Ben Richards, okay. Um, In addition, um, there is a Stark uh, Westlake novel. Um, that is about uh, the pseudonym problem, and and it's kind of talking about King and you know, b- writers write about writers, right? So there, there's one called The Hook. I quite like this book. Um, it's it's uh, the premise is is he's trapped in a system kind of like Amazon before Amazon. Uh, it might even be at the beginning of Amazon. Um, Amazon got it. It, it knows you. It knows where you sell and how you sell. The computer system knows, right? So when publishers buy your book, they never buy the more. They never print more than your last biggest sale, which means mm-hmm. every time your sales go down. And so this this once great best-selling writer hires an up-and-coming guy who sells well. Uh, but is uh, has writer's block to be his pseudonym, and hmm. writes for him. And of course, the trouble ensues. It's a crime novel, right? Uh, Westlake sure. crime novel. What's this uh, one called? Uh, it's called The Hook. I'm pretty sure that's the name. The of Hook. Ah, oh, cool. Um, which is a great premise, right? Hook. Yeah. <laughs> for you. <ya. laughs> um, and that the the the, the Hall of Mirrors effect when you know a writer writing about writing. And you, all your friends are yeah. writers. It it, it 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 can be overwhelming with you know misery and all that. Like, <laughs> like it's just it's the problems of writers. But um, what I do like about King is he has a voice that is different from Kuntz and Dick and Lovecraft. And um, I've never seen it as well expressed as it, as is in here. So I'm looking for other recommendations of nice short novels, not long novels, because. Uh, I, I like a short like this by him. Mm-hmm. So what what other other Bachman books would you guys recommend that have? Well, because I've only read yes. the other one, The Long Walk, and that, that one didn't blow me away like this one did. I loved that story. 
Yeah, I don't know. Mm. I mean, rage, rage is one, but you know, it might be tough to find. But other than that, I mean, Thinner is a very short novel, and it's pretty good. And then That's Misery a- is a short novel, but I don't know. I don't know if you'd enjoy that or not. It is interesting. It's a novel in a novel. Um, it, it was kind of funny what he was doing there. <laughs> so there's a the the author the author in the novel had killed off the favorite character of Annie. Uh, so I was going to say Annie Wilkes, but I don't think is that her name. Can't remember if that's her name or if that's the name of the uh, mm. person in another book. But anyway, she his biggest fan. Um, and he's got to figure out how to resurrect this character. Any Wilkes is the right name. Is it okay? Thank you. Yeah. So the, uh, yeah. But but anyway, and he's writing the novel in the novel, hmm. and you get to read the novel that he's writing in Weird. the novel. So that it was it's kind of cool. <laughs> it is uh, meta. Well, what's the story? But then the only other. Work? Sorry, go ahead. What's the what, story? What on Roadwork? That's another of the Bachman early Bachman books. Oh um, gosh, I don't really remember it, much it about. It sounded Roadwork. like uh, the premise yeah. of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You know the. House's interstate interstellar bypass, except without <laughs> without the interstellar part, like something right. like that. Did you read that yeah. one, Marissa? I I oops, go ahead. Uh, I I think I have read it, but I, I honestly can't remember it. I have to okay. go back to all these old books. It would have been a long time ago. I would have had a um like a a book that had all four of the Bachman books in it. I remember it was yeah, just called the Bachman books. Had, yeah, yeah, I had that too. Yeah. And I think uh, I read it without realizing it was King at first, and then was just like, ah. Oh, what were you going to recommend, Scott? Was one more? I was just going to recommend if if you're looking at first some of his shorter novels that are really good, things and like there's a book fiction. called. Well, that are science fiction. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if he has anymore. Oh, um, I was just going to call say Different Seasons is a okay. book that has four novellas in it. Okay. And it was pretty good. Um, um, did you guys I'm trying to remember which ones. Are in there. Did you guys notice that there is a official photo of Richard Bachman on the Richard Bachman Wikipedia entry? So it's a yeah. Richard, Richard Bachman's author photo. Um, it's an insurance agent named Kirby McCauley, <laughs> King's literary <laughs> agent, right? So oh, really? <laughs> on the back of the book, you would get, right? Uh, I, that was similar. We, we did a show on a Philip K. Dick novel recently where the ending yeah. was finished by Ted White. And, yeah, um, he appears on the back of the book in uh-huh. the UK or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Weird. We have a weird world. How about uh, Four Past Midnight by Stephen King? Okay, what's that? There's, um, it's got a science fiction-y one, and it's called The Langoliers. Oh, right. And that was... That one. Yeah, it, it, it was made into a movie or a Twilight short... Zone episode, wasn't Twilight it? Twilight Zone, okay, that must have been it. Yeah. I remember... Um, Terrible movie. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the name oh, of the, the character that was in that. Balky, the guy who played Balky, that's such a great audiobook narrator. Yeah, he is good. He was in it. He was in it. But well, The Langoliers the way, is a pretty cool book. Pretty the cool story. narrator in here was really terrific. Kevin Kennerly. Yeah, uh, he was great. Stage yeah. actor. Um, uh, and I, for some reason, I thought, I, and he kept brushing up against it in the book because, um, so all the black characters in the book, I was like, um, why is he treat, treating these these uh, black characters like they're black? Um, because I thought I thought for some reason I thought Ben Richards was black. I don't know why yeah, I thought that. But then I wanted I, that look, too. Yeah. Kevin Kennerly is black. That's why, right? He he's, uh, he's got I don't know. He's got a black voice or whatever. But 
he was just a terrific narrator. Um, I mean, I think it, it it has a lot to do with how good a book is. You know, you can't, you know, George Guidal, a great audiobook narrator, can't save a Lillian Jackson Brown cat mystery book. Can't do it. <laughs> but when he does American Gods, uh, the heights have never been uh, so high, you know. It's just amazing. So Kevin Kennerly, just a stage actor from Oregon, uh, no big IMDb career. And because he's in Oregon, I guess he does Blackstone audiobooks. So this is a damn good book. Damn good listen, damn mm-hmm. good book. I'm very impressed. Thank you, Scott, for recommending yeah. years and years ago. <laughs> years uh, ago. <laughs> well, this was I, I, fun. I really enjoy you guys. I enjoyed listening to y'all as well. So, mm-hmm. Marissa yeah. and Paul, thank you very much. Yeah. This is great. Thanks for the inspiration to watch those movies, Ian, too. There. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that was Jesse. I wouldn't well, have said it. I had all these movies, too. I just Although I loved it. Everything. I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah, I never would have seen or even encountered da, Das Millionspiel. I know. And it was great. Yeah. I had game. never heard of it. The yeah. Millions game. By the way, there was something on there that I think we should all um, get together and start a company because it was such a good idea um, that hasn't been done yet. The after-death beauty products. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, how is that not a thing? Look beautiful in your coffin. Like, how is that not like an Instagram like mm-hmm. phenomenally. <laughs> I want to do the. I want to get the Kling Klang uh, knife company started. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kling oh Klang, God. good for your kartoffel, your potato, and your tomato. And then the you hear this <laughs> in the background, right? And she just keeps talking and talking. And the guy comes out with a knife and kill for killing your wife. <laughs> <laughs> do you know someone who talks too much? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Um, the world of Das Millionspiel um, makes me think that Germany in the 70s was a very interesting place. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.